Hello and welcome to the Anchor Faith Message Podcast. Enjoy this message. You realize that God wants things to go well for you in life. He wants things to thrive for you in life. Therefore, he's given you this thing called grace in order for you to thrive, okay? First uh, Peter chapter 4 Verse number 10 says this, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 10. As every man has received the gift, so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So we've been looking at this uh, term manifold over the last two weeks. I bring it to your attention again tonight. That word manifold means various sorts or various characteristics. And the reason we got to bring this up, because manifold grace, there's more than just saving grace. There's various sorts or various characteristics about grace. And I've said this the last two weeks, even though you go to the restaurant, there's different kinds of food, even though it's all in a restaurant, right? So grace takes on various sorts or various characteristics. A lot of us are familiar with, as believers, the saving grace that Jesus Christ gave us, right? And so we know that we're saved by grace, not of our own works, lest anyone should boast, but we're saved through the work of Christ. That's saving grace. But the first week, we really looked at this thing called uh, growing grace, right? Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verse number 18, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 18 says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting that the Holy Spirit, through Peter... Uh, you know, admonish the church to grow in the grace and the knowledge. So we just don't get everything at one time. There is a process that we need to go through and a hunger that we need to have in order to grow in grace, okay? Uh, Acts chapter 4, verse number 33 said this, and with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. How many of you want to have great grace upon you? You know, pastor administered a series on faith about uh, little faith, faith, great faith. You know, you could have mountain moving faith. Well, when I saw this word great grace, I thought, hmm, Lord, is there grace that we can grow in? Do some people have little grace active in their life? Do some people have just grace active in their life? Do some people have great grace active in their life? And we said this, the key to growing in grace, there was two keys that I gave you. Number one is faithfulness faithfulness, and secondly is humility or staying humble. Now, that's not thinking of yourself in a less or an unworthy manner. No, God made you worthy. Really, humility is just submitting to the word of God on a daily basis. John 3, uh, verse 30 says, he must increase, but I must decrease. So what you submit to grows stronger. What you resist grows weaker. When you submit to the word of God, that grows stronger in your life. You resist the devil, that grows weaker, right? If you don't submit to the word of God, it's not going to grow stronger. And that's the true definition of humility is we continually are submitted or surrendered. So we have this thing called our emotions or our will, and we constantly have to keep that in check. Remember, God doesn't want you in control. God doesn't want you out of control. God wants you under control. His control. If we humble ourselves under his mighty hand, under his mighty hand, he will exalt us. God's about exalting your life, increasing your life, putting you on a platform for influence to really reach this community, nation, and world. But it takes faithfulness and it takes humility. And 
uh, we showed the Superman clip, and I love that clip where he, uh, if you were here last week, when he uh, was figuring out how to fly, he realized that there was power on the inside of him. There was something uh, great on the inside of him, and he was testing that ability on the inside of him, right? So he tries to take off flying, and uh, he sputters and he falls. And it reminds me, that's how some believers are, right? There's greatness on the inside of you. You're trying to release it. You're trying to learn how to flow with the Holy Spirit. Uh, But sometimes we're not always getting everything right, correct? And so, but do we give up? Do we stop? The Bible says a just man falls down seven times, but he rises back up again. So get back up. If you fell down, get back up. Don't stay down and in a pool of mediocrity, barely getting through life, God says, get up. It's time to reign. It's time to rise. It's time to make influence in this life. And so when he, he falls that first time, his, his father, which reminds me of our father in heaven, be saying the same thing. You'll never know your capacity to start testing the limits. Right? And so it reminds me of the gym. Some of us go to the, uh, a gym or some of us have a cardiovascular aerobic goals that we do, right? And uh, you don't really know how, how far you can go until you start pushing yourself. How, do you, how many of you have been to a gym before or tried to run or do some kind of exercise or a, um, a mud run, something, right? And you, I, 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 it cracks me up if you were at Living Faith Crusade, Pastor Denise, if you were... Uh, with us, you heard this story back in uh, January, but uh, in, the, in her tenacity and her character on a Monday, uh, she decided on a Saturday she was going to run a 5K race. But the, the funny thing about this story, there was no preparation. She just, in, in the will of her mind and her tenacity, said, I'm going to run this thing. So she signed up and she said she's out there and just willing it through, just a determination, I'm not going to quit. And she sees somebody that's a little bit heavier heavier than her, pass her. (laughs) So she just keeps running. But the next morning, she said she got, went to get her legs out of bed, and they were like just dead weight, you know. She could barely walk. But how many of you know have been a lot better to train? And God's expecting us as believers to, to operate in this thing called faith, to operate in this thing called grace, to be led by the Spirit. And you're never going to have a big event in your life if you're not practicing daily. Because God puts no unproven merchandise on his market. He's going to test you. God never tempts you, but he will test you to show you what he's put on the inside of you. And it's just like going to the gym or running the race for the first time. A lot of us get sore in those initial weeks or, or months, right? You feel like uh, I was talking to somebody um, uh, on Sunday who listened, who was here last Wednesday, and uh, they were listening to me say, you got to learn how to push in the gym. They hadn't been in the gym for a while. And I said, oh, Lord, how's this story going to go now? <laughs> and he said, man, I got done. my." And I said, I just heard you five more reps, just five more reps. He said, so I was pushing and I got home, my arms were just like rubber, and my wife said, hey, can you mop the floor? (laughs) He said that was an effort to mop the floor, right? But in order to grow and and get atrophy or muscle growth, you have to train. You have to train. 
Um, all of us have abs. Some are more defined than others. Some are in the unseen realm. But they're there. And God has given us a thing called seed time and harvest. If you don't like the harvest you're reaping, then change the seed you're sowing. And so when we're growing in grace, if you want to grow, there's an effort. You know, when you, when you train in life, there's a strategy, right? There's really four pillars I look at physically when it comes to uh, training. It's aerobics, anaerobics, nutrition, and rest. And uh, to have the right uh, mixture of that is going to give me growth in life, correct? But, man, if we don't have that spiritually with grace, guess what? You're never going to get to where God wants you to be. And God has great things in store for his great people, but it takes you participating with him and exercising this grace. First, first Timothy chapter four, verse number eight says, exercise yourself unto godliness. And this is where spiritual spotting comes in. And, I, you know, this is where church attendance comes in, too. These are the fundamentals, right? You have discipline days when you go to the gym, which means there are some days you don't feel like going. Same with church or maybe some Wednesdays or Sundays where you th on Sunday think, man, it'd be good to sleep in. That's a discipline day. That's when you get up. And those are some of the greatest services because your mind may be fighting you every step of the way. But no, Lord, I'm going. I'm committed. Right. And I'm going to be there for God. And so we've got to have the right strategy and be disciplined. It takes discipline in order to grow in grace. Last week, we looked at uh, two different aspects of grace. When we talked about the scepter of a king, we looked at giving grace. Now, I said this last week, and I'll, I'll repeat this for review. Uh, giving grace, everybody should be giving in the body of Christ. There's just a gen general principle of tithes, offering, and alms, first fruits. Okay? So, but a giving grace we defined last week is when God has set somebody in the body and really anointed and appointed them uh, to really have a grace upon their life in business as an entrepreneur to go out and be a success in the marketplace. All right. And so we looked at two, two people in scriptures, uh, scripture. Number one, we looked at Tabitha in Acts chapter nine, and she was an apparel maker and she had means to support ministry. All right. And we also looked in the old Testament at a guy named Bar Barzillai in 2 Samuel 17 and 2 Samuel 19. And this guy actually supported, the, the Bible says he was rich. So I think, ask the question, Lord, how did he become wealthy? And obviously he was doing something economically within uh, his time frame, right, that produced wealth in his life. But of his means, he supported the ministry of the kingdom of David. When David was on the run, he was one of the guys that brought... Um, actual food and sustenance for his army while they were in the wilderness and running from his son, Absalom, to, su to sustain them in that time. Okay, so, but that was a giving grace. Some of you are destined, destined to be successful in business. But you got to realize it's not just your effort. It's the grace of God flowing through you. And I brought up my former employee, employee, uh, employer, Mr. Nelson. Uh, he owned um, two dealerships at the time and opened a third one when I was working for him. 
Um, but man, he was just a generous giver into ministry and missions. And he was set. He was well provided for, uh, but he was opening up more dealerships just because he had a heart. Uh, he had a giving grace just to support more missions and ministries. And like I said, he personally sowed into me when I left Oklahoma to come get connected with Anchor Faith Church. He sowed into our family to help us get here. And that was just his heart. He was just, just a giver, just generous, um, prayed in his office every Tuesday. You know, I mean, he was just a man of God, and uh, he had that giving grace upon him. We also looked at favor grace last week, and uh, we looked really exclusively at Esther. She just had the favor of God upon her life. She, and favor will make you stand out. And God will put favor on you, put that favor grace on you uh, for people just to say, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm going to do it. That's the favor of God. And that favor can increase in your life as you stay committed and sanctified, sanctified to God. Tonight, to conclude uh, this last uh, of the three-week series on grace, I want to look at the gift of grace, the gift of grace. So we have saving grace, growing grace, a giving grace, a favor grace. Tonight, we're going to look at the gift of grace, all right? That word gift um, comes out of uh, the word grace, if you look at the Greek, and it's really where we get the word charisma. So when the Bible talks about the gift of grace, that word gift is charisma, which comes out of charis, which means grace. Now, the word gift means it's a grace uh, or gifts denoting extraordinary powers distinguishing Christians and enabling them to serve in the church of Christ. The reception of which is due to the power of divine grace operated on their souls by the Holy Spirit. One definition says it's the economy of divine grace. So there's a gift of grace in every believer. Let's say that there's a gift. Let's everybody say it. There's a gift. There's a gift of grace. In my, life. in my life. Let me give you some scriptures to identify that gift, okay? Romans chapter 12, verse number 6. Having then gifts, having then gifts, we're talking about the gift of grace. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. And he goes on to, to name several areas of grace, this gift of grace. He talks about prophecy. He talks about faith. He talks about helps ministry. He talks about other things. But there's a gift of grace that's given to every believer through the power of the Holy Spirit. That grace of God is operative in your life, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 7. We're just laying foundation right now before we dive into this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 7. So that you come behind in no gift. God doesn't want you coming behind in your gift. Now that's a scary thought for me. Because one day we will be before the throne of God. Remember I told you there's two judgment seats. There's a great white throne judgment where those that have rejected Jesus are going to be judged and be eternally separated but then there's the Bema seat judgment of God where rewards will be handed out. And the Bema seat is something they did uh, in, 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 in the um, Greek, in the Greece, 
uh, where they had the Olympics, and they actually had judges that would determine who was first place, second place, and third place, right? And they would give the rewards out based upon how they finished their race. Paul said, I'm going to finish my race, right, the course that God's given me, because there's a crown laid up for me. So really, what we're doing right now as believers, and this is so important, get a hold of this tonight. I really hammered home on this two weeks ago. When you get born again, you're just starting your life with God. We talked about the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of God. And really, they're interchangeable, but the kingdom of heaven is where God's throne's at right now. But the kingdom of God is in operation anywhere you permit Jesus to be Lord. So Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God. Right now, we are kingdom seekers because God has a plan, a purpose, and a destiny for you on the earth. This is just not about giving your, your life to the Lord one day and then waiting to get to the sweet by and by. Like just holding on, barely getting along. I can't wait to get an escape mentality. I can't wait to get out of here. There is a day, if you're absent from the body, you will be present with the Lord, but God has an assignment for you right now, and there's a gift of grace to go along with what he wants you to do in the earth. So you just start the journey. You just start the journey when you give your life to the Lord. My journey with God started in 1997, and boy, it's been a ride. Amen? And God has a journey for you, and it will be an adventure You just look at the men or the women in the Bible, and boy, man, you always end up on top. I was just talking to my girls on the way to school today about Psalms 23. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake, right? He leads me beside the still waters, and he restores my soul. But I like this. David King, David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So David got in some times in his life that were tough. Times there were trials. Times there was temptations. Times there was tribulation. But there was a gift on the inside of him. There was a destiny on the inside of him to be king. And he stood his course. He didn't look to the left or the right. Narrow is the way to life. And God did great things through that man of God, just like he'll do great things through you if you stay the course with God. Don't let anything derail you. Don't let anything get you off course. And I want to tell you right now, one of the greatest things that the devil, the greatest tactics that the devil uses to get believers off is a thing called offense or getting you offended. Can I say this tonight? I'm going to say it. Be offense proof. Jesus said to his disciples, woe to those that cause offense. Offense will come or getting offended. Don't let anything get you sideways. Ephesians chapter four, I believe it's around, you know, verse 23, 24. Y'all can find it, but it says, be angry, but don't sin. Do not. Everybody say, do not. not. Well, we're under grace, not the law. (laughs) Are you telling me something I got to do? Yes, because the Bible's telling you something you got to do. Do not. That sounds like a commandment to me. Let the sun go down on your anger. Now, if you're married, you could practice this. Sometimes daily. Just look straight ahead. Don't look at your spouse. 
I saw some elbows flying just then. You, you will hinder your walk with God, the gift that he's put in you, the purpose in your life, if you allow offense to creep in. And you know what? The devil's a master tactician at this. He doesn't come with, you know, red horns and a pitchfork and say, guess what? I've come to steal, kill, and destroy your life. So I just want to let you know uh, that I'm going to try to get you offended with this person. It doesn't work like that. He's very subtle. He's very crafty. He's very sly and cunning. So you need to be, if you want to stay on point, you got to make sure that you're in a continual state of, God, the way that you've forgiven me, I forgive others. And what's forgive mean? Forgive means to drop it, release it, let it go. Some people are living off of 10 years ago, hurt, disappointment, frustration, and, and, and then you get in a cycle of wondering, like, God, why are you not answering my prayers? It feels like heaven's brass. Everything that I pray, it comes right back down. Well, how's your love walk? Galatians chapter 5, verse number 6 says, faith works. Faith works. It always works, but it says by love. And if you're not letting things go and you're holding on to things, guess what? It's going to affect your faith walk. And the Bible says in Romans 1.17, the just shall live by faith. So you live a very frustrated existence if you don't let things go. Well, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know how bad they hurt me. You don't know the abuse that I went through. Maybe I personally don't. But the Bible says in Hebrews 4, verse 16, that Jesus was tempted in all points like we are. Listen, they beat him. They gave him lashes, 40 lashes, right? Put a crown of thorn on his heads, uh, made fun of him. Took a, took a rod and slapped that, the, the thorns in his head so he's bleeding. An innocent man who did no wrong. So I understand things can be tough. I understand tribulations come, but God wouldn't tell us to do something if we weren't capable of doing it. So don't let emotion sit on the throne of your life. Thank God for emotions. He gave them us for a reason, but they don't dominate me. And they shouldn't dominate you. So don't let anything get you off. This is my admonition to you. Stay on, stay on course. This is, you know, walking with God is the greatest thing on the planet. And it's not difficult. And it's not hard. It's just practicing fundamentals. Read your Bible every day. Develop your prayer life. You know, when I was born again in 1997, nobody ever told me I need to attend church. I just knew my spirit man. You know, God was faithful to connect me with a great church in Columbus, Ohio. And then I just knew in my spirit after about a year, a year or so being there that I needed to go on to Bible school. So I, I was there, you know, from 1998 all the way to 2004, six years. Then I knew in my spirit, man, I need to come connect with Pastor Owen Marcy. I've been in three churches in the last uh, 21 years. Way before I even came on full-time staff, I, I just came to church. 
hungry for the things of God. Just stay steady. Don't let anything get you off. You're going to have plenty of opportunity to be offended, but don't get offended. It will hinder your destiny, okay? Now, when it comes to this gift of grace, and we're going to call this tonight, training for reigning, the passion of pursuit, the pursuit of passion, the pursuit of passion, okay? The pursuit of passion. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, I'm telling this because this is a, a marathon, not a sprint when it comes to serving God. There's different seasons of life, but we're in this for the long haul. This is a covenant. This is a commitment. If the Lord Jesus uh, does not return, I mean, when you're in your 70s, 80s, 90s, you should still be serving him. You should still be connected to a local church. You should still be going strong with the Lord. So this is a marathon, not a sprint. Now, there's seasons of acceleration. Isaiah 40, 31 says, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall walk and not grow weary. They shall run and not faint. So there's accelerations, but walk talks about the duration, right? He said, they shall mount up with wings of eagles. So there's times of elevation too, just like David said that I, uh, even though I walk through the valley, but there's mountaintop experiences with God too. And those are great times, but they get you, they get you ready to go back into the valley. <laughs> and then you go back up on the mountain so you can say, Lord, thank you for getting me through that. Hallelujah. But things grow in the valley. It's interesting when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration uh, with Peter, he said, let's build some tabernacles, and just set up tent here. Jesus said, no, no, no. We need to get back down so you guys can do your assignment in the earth. All right. So there's different seasons of life. I want to cover some of these and we're going to get to purpose exclusively. But um, I want you to have this mindset. Enjoy the seasons. Hallelujah. In America, we have a microwave society. I, I, I'm at all. Every, every day I get opportunities driving on the street to walk in forgiveness. Driving on the road, not on the street. Just seeing if you're paying attention. Um, I, it's like people are in such a rush. I'm, I'm a guy that, for the most part, you know, I do the speed limit. My cruise control doesn't work in my car, but I literally set my cruise control on US 1 at 45 if it worked. My wife makes fun of me because I hit speed bumps and go backwards. <laughs> hey, the Bible says if you hasten your feet, you sin, right? So I walk with purpose in every step, believing that God is with me, is ordinate. One time I made it from where we lived at with, uh, it was about 20 minutes away at that time. Uh, with a deodorant stick on my bumper, got all the way to church, it was still there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But I, I bring that up because, I mean, I, on US 1, I'm amazed. I got people on my bumper, I'm doing 45, and I'm like, wow, I'm going to get over for you. And I'm not doing one of these when they pass. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm thinking, wow, what, what is the rush? And I'm not talking, I mean, I'm, I'm like tracking my mind. This is happening multiple times a day when I'm coming down 
uh, US one. I'm like, wow, people are really in a hurry. Hallelujah. Sometimes if we get to the uh, checkout line, 10 items or less. How many of you? If you got 11 items, some of you keep the 11 and push it through. Yeah. But we're in a rush, right? You know, the Bible says with faith and patience. So we want to enjoy the seasons of life. Numbers 33, verses 1 through 2. Numbers 33, verses 1 through 2 says this. Here are the stages in the journey. Remember, this is a journey. This is a, a, mar- a marathon. It's a journey, not a sprint. Of the, the journey of the Israelites, when they came out of Egypt by divisions under the leadership of Moses and Aaron, at the Lord's command, Moses recorded the leadership, uh, Moses recorded the stages Some translations say the seasons in their journey. This is their journey by stages. One translation says this is their starting point. So it's interesting when we get born again, there's a starting point, but then there's a destiny that God has with us and there's going to be seasons and stages in that destiny. And we need to learn how to enjoy the seasons of life. Some of us have kids and we're excited about having kids, but then we want them to grow, you know, grow up, get out of the infant stage so we can enjoy them. Then they get past that. Right. And then we want them to get through school. Right. And then we just want them to get out of the house. You know, we were having a good time before you came. We're going to have a good time when you leave. But enjoy the seasons of life. I was looking at my girls as they're, they're just shooting up right now. And I thought, Lord, man, it's, it hasn't gone by fast. I've enjoyed the seasons with them. Right? So, uh, Hebrews chapter 12 verses one through two, I want to give you two more scriptures on, on this thought. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance or let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Notice this isn't talking about going to heaven. This is saying that you're born again and there's a gift of grace in your life. There's a race that God has set before you. Don't try to be somebody else. God has made you fearfully and wonderfully. You are unique. There is nobody else like you on the planet. And too many times, even the Christian walk, we're trying to emulate or be somebody else. You can follow the principles and the patterns, but there's a uniqueness about you. And you'll never win the comparison game. Paul warns us about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. If you measure yourself against somebody else or compare yourself with somebody else, you are unwise. So there's a race. Know your lane. Oh, we're going we're gonna to get there. Hallelujah. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy, who for the joy, who for the joy, somebody say joy. Oh, this Christian walk. It's so rough. Who for the joy that was set before him? 
He endured the cross. He kept the purpose of God greater than the present pain. He kept the purpose of God greater than the present pain that he was going through. Who for the joy that was set, set before him, he uh, endured the cross, despised the shame, and now he sat down at the right hand of God. Acts chapter 20, verse number 24. Paul says this, none of these things move me. This is after a prophetic word comes that says you're going to Jerusalem. There's going to be chains. There's going to be a beating. There's going to be tribulation. Paul said, none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy. Which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace, to the grace of God. So number one, enjoy a season of progress. Enjoy a season of progress. And what's progress? They're putting these up there for you. Just a moving forward. You know, I want to give you this scripture to go along with that. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, and you can leave this up there. I'll, I'll just give them, leave that up there, guys. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 14 through 15. I'll read this to you. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. Do not neglect the gift. Do you know that word neglect means you could be careless with the gift of grace that God's put in you? Don't neglect the gift that is in you, which was given you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. He said, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely. Another translation says wholly or wholeheartedly to them that your progress may be evident to all. Enjoy a season of progress. That's progress. It's advancement. It's increase. David started by tending and keeping his father's sheep, but he enjoyed the season and there was progress that came because he enjoyed that season. All right? Secondly, enjoy a season of preparation. Enjoy a season of preparation. You know, preparation is the evidence you believe something's coming. Noah prepared the ark because God told him a flood's coming. David prepared a tabernacle, the finances for it, because he knew Solomon was going to build it. John the Baptist prepared the way of the Messiah. And preparation time takes time. And in patience and in a microwave mindset, you can get frustrated in a season of preparation. We're doing a lot of construction on our rehabbing our house right now. And I realize there's a lot of there's preparation that goes into that. And it, the ebbs and flows is amazing. Sometimes it seems like, like yesterday, it seemed like, whoa, we got a lot done. But there's always been a lot done. It's just there's a lot of preparation that goes into measurements and cutting things and ordering things and, you know, making decisions, right? But preparation, we need to enjoy the season of preparation. Number three, enjoy a season of discovering your potential. What has God put on the inside of you? Potential is everything you could do but haven't done yet. It's unused strength. It's untapped ability. And God, just like with 
Just like we watched Superman last week, you got to test the limits. God, what's on? You never know what's on the inside of you until you step out. Don't let fear dominate you. This is why God told Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Why would the Spirit of God tell him that? Because there's going to be opportunities to be afraid. Listen, there was 12 in the boat. Jesus said, we're going to the other side. And when you're going through a storm, sometimes Jesus don't always look like Jesus. Think about it. They spent all that time with them. Jesus said, go the other side. A big storm arose and they said, it's a ghost walking on the water. One person said, Jesus, is that you? He said, it's I. He said, come. Let's see what the potential is on the inside of you in faith. So Peter did something the other 12 didn't. And he stepped out of the boat and he started walking on water. That unused strength became a visible strength because he was, the water literally sustained him. But we know he got his, his eyes on the winds and, and the wave. Maybe the, the 11 and the boat were saying, get back in the boat, you're making us look bad. Maybe that's the reason he sank too. Number four, enjoy a season of processing relationships. Enjoy a season of processing relationships. And you need to know, you got to have discernment when it comes to relationships. Some people celebrate you. Some people tolerate you. Some people hate you. But you need to identify Jesus had 12 that were intimate with him, but only three got to go on the Mount of Transfiguration. And you got to determine and decide, okay, Lord, what is this relationship in my life? Is this something intimate that somebody's going to pour into me? Because I don't want anybody pulling me down. Right? So you got to determine who, who is, who, who's that that can pour into me? Who are my peers and who can I pour into? So you got to have discernment on relationships. Number five, enjoy a season of fulfilled prophecy. Thank God for prophetic words that are given to you. And, and those take time to manifest. Not all of them are instant. Not all of them are instant. But enjoy it when it comes. Number six, enjoy a season of pursuing goals. Goals are G-O-A-L-S, godly objectives assure lasting success. So the goals, what are, what's going to happen in 2021? Lord, have I prayed it out? Give me those goals, spirit, soul, body, family, financially, and socially. The next one, enjoy a season of promotion. Listen, Joseph had a, had a dream from God. But man, it took time, 13 years from 17 to 30 to see the manifestation. And man, when he got to 30, you got to enjoy the season of promotion. And just to go back to offense, nothing got him off because even when his brothers who sold him into slavery came to him, he had forgiven them. His heart wasn't hardened towards them. He took care of them. He provided for them. And he was able to go on with what God had called him to. The last one, enjoy a season of discovering purpose. Now, this word purpose is what we're keying in on tonight because this is the gift of grace. And we are in the, the pursuit of passion because passion and purpose go hand in hand. Passion is a burn. It's a zeal. It's a drive. 
It's what it's just what fuels your fire. It's something that may get you mad when you see something, an injustice or something that's not right in society. You know, my passion for years has been to minister to men. It it's a burn on the inside of me. It's a desire. It's a passion. When I see a father not acting right in front of his kids, when I see a husband not acting right in front of his wife, it makes me upset. And it's identified a purpose in my life. Because I realize realize in Malachi 4, uh, the last book in the Old Testament, it said, I'm going to turn the hearts of the fathers towards the children and the children hearts towards the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So when I see America right now, I have a passion for what's going on. I'm born for such a time as this. What purpose answers the question, why am I here? Why was I born? And so when I see the, the identity issues, And the breakdown of the family, it drives me. It compels me and says, oh, we're at a grassroots level. We're making a difference. We have Mighty Men 318 every Monday night. And it's, it's a burn. It's a passion on the inside of me. Purpose means this. It's the design or the intention that God has for your life. God is the creator. And you're never going to find your purpose outside of the creator. He knows why he made you and why is always more important than what. Psalms 103 said the children of Israel saw God's acts. They saw what he did. But Moses knew his ways or he knew the why. So you're more powerful when you know the why and just not the what. And so you need to enjoy a season of discovering your purpose. So what are those things that upset you if you're watching the news? What are those things that upset you if you're at Walmart? What are those things that drive you, that compel you? Like I said, the giving grace, man, that could be a passion on the inside. You got it. I'm created for business. You got to tell yourself that there is an anointing. There's a grace there. There's a there's a burn on the inside to go out there and help funnel of money, resources, into missions and ministry. And that becomes a passion. Now, listen, I want to say this before we dive more into this. You're never going to get to the specific purpose of God if you don't do the general purpose of God. Because people know, man, there's a purpose. They get impatient uh, trying to figure out what that purpose is. But you need to enjoy the season of discovering your purpose. And the general purpose of God is just fundamentals. Reading your Bible daily, right? Developing that prayer life. Church attendance. For me, um, you know, I realize that I can't have a specific uh, uh, ministry ministering to men publicly if I'm not practicing it privately. So my general purpose is, man, I enjoy being married to my wife, Angie. I enjoy being a, a father to my sons, Mike and Jacob, and to my daughters, uh, Chloe and Abigail. I enjoy it. And that's a general purpose, but that gets me into the specific. You know, in Genesis 18, one of the reasons that God chose Abraham, because he was just doing the general 
purpose of God. He said, I know Abraham. And he said he, that he will train his kids in the way of righteous, righteousness and judgment. Amen. He knew that he lived this out. And he said he qualified himself just by doing the general purpose. Now I'm going to get him over into the specific purpose. So be a pursuer of God in that growing grace. And then in the specific purpose, the gift of grace, God will reveal that to you and make a platform for you. The Bible says your gift will make room for you and bring you before great men. And not just, I, I texted Pastor Earl on Tuesday, that, that verse. I texted him yesterday, asked him how it was going. And here, here's a man who just knew back in, I think it was 92, maybe early 90s, that there was a call on his life. There was a specific purpose. He had the vision of the, the windshield disappearing and ministering to thousands of people. Right? You've, you've probably heard this if you've been with Anchor Faith Church for some time. But you know, that was, that was in the early 90s, right? But that took some time. Matter of fact, in impatience and trying to make it work out, he went to a cemetery. I mean, a seminary. <laughs> Hallelujah. But he tried to work out. He said he knew there's a call, so he tried to squeeze it in the way that he thought that it was supposed to look. So he went to this place, I think it was in South Carolina. It was just miserable, tough, the grind. He realized that he missed God, but thank God at least he stepped out. And he had the humility to repent, get right, come back. He got connected with the church that was a Rama grad. And eventually, you know, God revealed to him that, hey, you're supposed to go to Rama Bible Training Center. And that's where he went from 1998 to 2000, got the right training at that time, right? But here he is. They were faithful at Rama. One of the greatest needs in the church is the children's ministry. So him and Pastor Marcy were, um, they were the, what was it, Gilligan's Island is what the theme was. So they, they played the part of those people and uh, ministered to kids faithfully in just the general purpose of God. Reading their Bible, developing their prayer life, church attendance, and then they, they always had a heart to come back to Florida, you know, but the timing, they actually came back after graduation and realized the timing wasn't right. Once again, in humility, they stepped out, but they said, okay, the timing's not right. I need to get on staff with somebody. So they went back to Oklahoma and he got on staff with Pastor David Emi as their youth pastor. So th there's a growing grace and a gift of grace that's operating the general uh, purpose of God or the general growing grace, that general purpose uh, was getting more specific for him, right? He's being faithful and humble. And so he serves Pastor David. But in 2004, they knew time, it was time. They knew it in their spirit, man. As they prayed things out, it was time to launch Anchor Faith Church. Hallelujah. So they came. You know, God's faith, well, as, as you serve another vision, God will give you your vision. As they were faithful at Rama, as they were faithful with Pastor David at Word of Life, God assigned people to them to help launch this in 2004. But then, that's not the end of the story. The church is growing. Things are going great. We've had our trials or tribulations, but they're staying faithful in the general purpose of God. They're staying faithful in the specific purpose. This opportunity opens up for a district regional position for the Northeast Florida. 
to be an RMAI director for our Bible school that we graduated from. So pastor said, yeah, I'll take that. But you see how your gift is making room for you? Then the regional guy stepped down three years ago, and guess who Pastor Hagen called? Pastor Earl. So I texted him, Proverbs 18, 16, your gift will make room for you and bring you before great men, as he and Pastor Marcy and Branson this week. But you realize that wasn't, didn't happen in a year? You're talking decades in the making. So enjoy a season of discovering your purpose. Jeremiah found out that God had a purpose for him. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 5 says, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. Think about that. Before I even formed you in the belly, I knew you. None of you is an accident, and none of you is a mistake. Doesn't matter how you were conceived. God said, I knew you before you were formed in the belly. And before you came out of the womb, I sanctified you. I ordained you. I appointed you with this purpose to be a prophet to the nations. John chapter 18, verse number 37. Pilate therefore said unto Jesus, are you a king? Jesus answered, you say I'm a king. Now listen, to this end I was born. Remember, purpose answers the question of why was I born? And most believers don't know the purpose of God, the plan of God. I'm giving you the first key in it is just doing the general purpose. We're going to identify the second key in a few minutes. He said, to this end I was born. So Jesus knew why I was born. He said, for this cause I came into the world that I should bear witness under the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. For this cause I came in the world. So Jesus knew the reason that God placed him in the earth. And God has a purpose and a plan for you being in the earth. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verses, we'll start in verse number 7. Before we get there, though, I want to go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10. The Bible says in this verse, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Everybody say good works. So we're created for good works, not just to get to heaven through the saving grace, but through the growing grace and the gift of grace. God said you're created for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So the purpose of God, God wants you walking in it. Sounds a lot like Jeremiah 1, doesn't it? Before I formed you, or before you were formed, I knew you in the belly, right? And I appointed and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. God prepared something for us in this earth before we were even born. So the question is, Lord, what is the work? What is the assignment? What is the destiny that you have for me? You see, in the plan of redemption, 
In Genesis 1 and 2, we know that God gave Adam a work in the earth before the fall. God gave Adam a work in the earth before the fall. He said, what? Be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, and have dominion. Then he took him, he put it in the garden. He said, dress it and keep it. So God gave Adam a work. But guess what? Adam listened to the wrong voice, did the wrong action, and got the wrong result. But in the plan of redemption, number one, God came to restore what Adam lost. You know that God's, God's destiny for Adam didn't include heaven. Think about that. God created him. He gave him an assignment. Put him in the garden. He said nothing about him coming to be with him. Matter of fact, God, instead of telling Adam to come to heaven, God came to earth in the cool of the day, it says, and fellowshiped with Adam. Now, when Adam fell, sin entered. God said, the day that you eat the fruit of the tree, you will surely die. Now, that word death in the Bible, listen, there's physical death, but there's also spiritual death. And even though you may be alive physically, some people are, have spiritual death, but it means they're separated from God. But God said in this state of separation, I'm going to make a way and restore the kingdom of God. And that's why the man, Jesus Christ, came to earth was to restore the kingdom to mankind. Not only that, but in the plan of redemption, God not only restored the kingdom to man and his relationship to man, but God said, I'm going to restore you back to my image. Because images become skewed when you're apart from God. And God said, I want to restore you to my image. We were made in the image and the likeness of God. Some people think they came from a monkey. So they act like a monkey. Some people have a poor self-image and God's saying, you need to get back in the image that I created you to be. A couple years ago, I was just feeding on this. Still do. Lord, help me to think like the son of a king. Help me to think. Renew this mind. Restore this mind. Refresh this mind. Because some of us have stinking thinking. And we don't see ourselves the way God sees us. So he came to restore the kingdom. He came to restore and refresh the image for humanity. This is what you look like. This is why in Ephesians 1, it says, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Why? Because when he reveals himself, then we get a picture. James 1 says, uh, the word's like a mirror. We get to see a reflection of who we really are. So we need to cast down every thought that tries to exalt itself against the uh, knowledge of God. Because some thoughts come to you, but don't, I like what we learned at Bible school, just because birds fly over your head, don't let them build a nest on your head. 
Thoughts can come and say, man, I'm never going to make it. I don't have enough resources. You need to say, no, listen, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. My God shall supply every resource, every connection, any networking you need, any favor you need, God will provide it when you stay in his plan. Now, he's not obligated to bless your plans. He's obligated to bless his purpose in your life. So you better find his purpose for your life. It'll be blessed. Everything will be added to you. But in the plan of redemption, God said he wants to restore dominion back to mankind too. An area where you dominate. It's an area where you rule and are in control. Now, this doesn't mean that you control people, but you control the atmosphere and you control the environment of your jurisdiction. And God said, I want you to dominate. That's why sometimes when people tell you what to do, you're like, oh, come on, right? Or if you're in debt, heavily in debt, it just doesn't sit right. Why? Because God created you to dominate, to rule and not to be ruled. When your emotions are controlling you, it's frustrating because God called you to dominate your emotions and not let have your emotions dominate you. That's why some of you need to get a faith laugh in difficult times. James 1 says, count it all joy. Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) Is that all you got? (laughs) Bring it on. It's like Captain America. I could do this all day. For those of you who haven't seen Captain America when he's in a fight, he gets knocked down, he gets back up. He's like, bring it on. I could do this all day. Ha, ha, ha. It's a faith laugh. I don't feel like laughing. That's why it's by faith. But he's called you to dominate and not to be dominated. Even wrong thinking. Man, some people have like a vice grip on their mind. And if I could display some, some thoughts of what's going on in this congregation right now, on the screen, it'd be interesting. But God said, be not, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. One translation says, don't, be, don't let this world squeeze you into its mold, but be transformed by renewing your mind. You're getting yourself back into the image of God. So he's giving you an area to dominate. He's giving you an assignment. He's giving you a passion. This is the pursuit of passion. So getting to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse, starting verse number 7. <coughs> it says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom of God ordained before the ages or before your time began for our glory. So he says the hidden wisdom of God ordained. There was a plan. There is a purpose that God has in place for you. And it's for your glory. There's a purpose And it's for your glory. The word glory in the Greek 
literally means a weight or a presence or really a manifestation of splendor and brightness. God wants to put you on display. But you got to be in his purpose. Know what he's ordained you to do. And as a result, he'll give you glory in your life. And really, glory is when it's in full bloom. The purpose can be found in seed form, but glory is found when it's in full manifestation. Now listen to this. He says, which none of the rulers of this age knew... For had they known, they would have not, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now don't stop there. Don't stop there. Read on. But, but's a conjunction that cancels everything that was previously said. God has revealed them to who? To us through his spirit. So how does God reveal his plan to us? Through his spirit. How does God reveal his plan to us? Through his spirit. He's ordained things before the world began for our glory, but they're only revealed to us through his Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to just put my finger there for a second and let's go to let's go to Acts chapter two real quick. You you realize when you read Genesis chapter one and two that uh, when Adam fell from dominion, the spirit of God left him because the spirit of God cannot be contained in a contaminated vessel. But through the redemption plan of God and the acceptance of Jesus Christ, your spirit man becomes born again. Now your vessels, your spirit's clean again, and now you can house the Holy Spirit again. How does God reveal his purpose to us? Through his spirit. Now listen to what Peter said in this sermon In Acts chapter 2, verse number 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them. So this, this is at the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was poured out. Others heard them speaking in what? Other tongues. They said, they're drunk with wine. What is going on? They said, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk as you suppose, but they're filled with the Holy Spirit. So Peter's preaching this sermon. He said, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is, spoke, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now listen, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. This is more than going to heaven. The Holy Spirit being poured out of mankind is to give you visions and to give you dreams. 
How are they revealed by the Spirit of God? But the Spirit of God pours out these dreams and these visions within your heart. And the Holy Spirit will reveal them to you. What has God placed on the inside of you? It's only going to come by spending time praying to God and getting his mind on it. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and finish out this verse as we finish out this sermon. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit for the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. There's deep things in God. So the Holy Spirit allows you to reach in to those deep things of God. Take hold of them, right? And implant them into your heart. Visions, dreams, purpose. The Spirit searches all things, the deep things of God. For what knows the man a man except the spirit of man. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So I want to close with this in Romans chapter 8, verse number 14. Very important scripture for us as we leave out of here tonight. Romans chapter 8, verse number 14. For as, as, as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. All right? As many as are what? Led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. But then we jump down a couple verses. And it says in verse 26, likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the heart knows the mind of the spirit. Sounds a lot similar to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, doesn't it? He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So the Spirit of God does this for us. When we pray in the Holy Spirit, it helps bring revelation of the purpose that God has for us. It gets us in tune with the Spirit of God for why he's put us on the earth. I remember talking to Brian Cumberland. I want to close with this example. He told me when you're, when you're praying in the Spirit, Brian oversees all the uh, faith library book dis distribution for Kenneth Hagin Ministries. Been faithfully serving uh, that ministry since they went to school there in 1980s. Went from Philadelphia to Oklahoma. Never left. The purpose of God. Went to Bible school there. Started serving as an usher. Faithful in that. Got assigned to start going with the ministry to the cancer unit at the hospital there in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, faithful in that. Was working a secular job the whole time. Made it to the head usher position. Working a secular job. Got demoted a secular job. Loss of title, loss of pay. Went home, he said, cried on his bed. Got up, wiped off the tears, counted all joy, went to work. 
faithfully after a, that could get you offended faithfully served the company for for years then finally past, uh, pastor Lynette Hagen called him several years ago and said hey I want you to uh, oversee the whole faith library publication department what if he would have got offended when his secular job demoted him in pay and title would he ever got that phone call No, he walked in love and God made a way for him. But he told me this, when you pray in the spirit, it's like putting down train tracks. Praying in the spirit is not wasted time. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, because he searches the deep things of God, he's able to take those deep things and reveal them to you and keep laying out those train tracks. His word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God is not going to give you a 30-year plan. And all the details. But as you pray in the Spirit daily, He will guide you. And praying in the Spirit is not a waste of time. Kenneth Hagin said this when I was listening to him on prayer. He said, I prayed in the spirit for an hour. Nothing. Felt so dry, so dead. Felt like I just wasted an hour. And and the devil said, oh, you just blew it, just wasted an hour. He said, no, Mr. Devil. The Bible said that the Holy Spirit was poured out. And they all began to speak in other tongues. I've read in Romans 8 that I can pray in tongues when I don't know how to pray in English. So... You keep on saying, I'm going to pray another hour. Devil kept on throwing those darts. Prayed another hour. So two hours. Two hours go by. Same thing. Dry, dead. Felt like he wasted two hours. Devil said, oh, you just blew it. Just wasted two hours. Could have been done doing something else. Kenneth Hagin said, you keep saying, I'm going to pray another hour. This went on. All the way to five hours and 45 minutes, praying in other tongues, laying out that train track, getting the purpose of God. At five hours and 45 minutes, praying in other tongues, he said he hit a gusher. God started revealing things to him about things that were going to be happening in government, things that be happening in his ministry. And he was able to start praying those things out because God revealed them because he took time. So my admonition to you tonight is take time to pray in the Holy Spirit. Thanks again so much for listening to this episode. If you'd like to get more of our content, you can subscribe wherever you're listening, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. You can also watch our weekend messages at youtube.com forward slash anchor faith when they air every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Subscribe to us so you never miss a message and leave us a comment or a like. It really does help. You sharing, rating, and commenting on this podcast and any of our content is the best way to keep it in circulation for others to be influenced with this message of God's kingdom. So please consider sending a link to friends and family, sharing on social media, or simply giving us a rating. And finally, if you'd like more information about Anchor Faith Church and support the work we're doing from St. Augustine, Florida in igniting the city, impacting the nation, and influencing the world, you can visit us at anchorfaith.com. Thank you.